Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Yud Dalad. Um, today's shoes is Le'ilu Nishmas, Chaim Ben Moshe Gedalia. And Ilana Basvili. May their memories be a blessing and may their neshamas have an aliyah. Um, so we're going to go from the fifth last line of Yud Gimel Amud Beis 13b. Remember yesterday we were discussing how on Yom Tov, well, you're regarding Shabbos and Yom Tov exactly doing Moililin Melilos, that's break, rubbing in your hands or your fingers the the corn or the legumes, the not the corn, the grain or the legumes to get it out of its chaff so you can eat the grain. And then we also discussed uh, what would be similar to the winnowing process, but how's it? We discussed once you've done throwing it from hand to hand so that the chaff, etc., falls away and you're left with just the grain or the bean. So that's what that's what we discussed largely yesterday. We discussed at what point, um, pr- interesting enough, we discussed it only a little bit in regards to Shabbos and Yom Tov, that was right at the beginning of the death, and a lot in regards to the Chi of Truma. When does the obligation to separate Truma in, and would that would you be allowed to do that on Yom Tov, etc. Now, where we up to the Gemara asks, Kate San Molel. Okay, so we've seen that, and Tosos points out, we saw you're allowed to be, um, you're allowed to Molel Melilos, you're allowed to crumble the grain or the le- legume on, sh- on Yom Tov. Tosos remind us that on Shabbos you're not allowed to, but on Yom Tov you're allowed to do it. So how do you do it on Yom Tov? Um, so again, remember we need to find a, a way that's permitted because to do it in the regular way would fall under Mafarek, which is Osur. Again, here, just to remind us, we run into that gray area I'm calling it gray. Obviously, we need to sit down and analyze Rishonim. But the gray area of when does a melochas, which melochas are osud dorais on Yom Tov, and which melochas are mutar dorais. We know the general rule is if it is for food, it's mutar. If it's not for food, it's osud. But even regarding food, there are many melochas that are that seem to be osud. So again, you have to clarify. Is it Osudorai? So is it Osudorabonan? For example, this of threshing. You're not allowed to thresh on Shabbos and on, on Yom Tov, even though it's for food. Now, is, that this, is this that you're not allowed to thresh Doraisa or Dorabonan? Um, again, do we say that they're only from a certain stage onwards is Mutar Dorabonan? And also, yeah, the other possibility is anything you could do on Erev Yom Tov would be Osur. To do on Yom Tov, according to some Torah or according to others, if it's generally done in a large quantity, that you would do it for Yom Tov and longer, like threshing, you generally thresh all your grain at once or a large part of your grain at once, then that would also make it osur. So again, you have to clarify exactly are we discussing it, Isu Torah Isu Drabonin, but either way, we know that on Yom Tov they're generally doing Dash or Mefarek, threshing would be osur, but to Moilel Melilos, is permitted. So how do you do it in a permitted way? He says, Abaye Mishmeid Rav Yosef Omar Chada Chada. Abaye in the name of Rav Yosef says you can only do it one finger between two fingers. I, your thumb and your finger would rub the grain and take it out. He says, Rav Avia Mishmeid Rav Yosef Omar Avia said in the name of Rav Yosef Chada Tarti. 
one, you can even do it one finger to two fingers. So you can squeeze it between, roll it between your thumb and your two fingers to get the grain out. And Rava Omer, even the Mashani, Afilu Chada. Sorry, um, we're right at the bottom of Yud Gimel Amud Aleph. Uh, Amud Beis, 13b. Um, Rava Omar Kiva in the Mashni Afilu Chada Akulu Nami. Rava says, well, once you're doing it with the Shinoi anyway, you can do it with all your fingers at once. Again, the Shinoi is, generally, if you were going to be Moilal Melilus in the normal way, you'd put as much grain as you can between your two hands, palms especially, because that would be, if you imagine, think you're taking grain, you want to like kind of press them, um, thresh them with push them together so that the the chaff breaks off etc you're going to want to squeeze it between your palms so robert says once you're doing it with your fingers any number of fingers would be all right um interest up again rashi says why do you need to do it in a shinui again we have to be assuming like i said that moila melilo um moila melilos is mutar and a shinui is saying, do it with a different way. So Rashi says, because you want to change it from me'uvda dechol, the way you normally do it during the weekday. Sounds like even dura, even dura bonon, the problem, strictly speaking, there's no problem with doing um, this act of moila melilos. You just want to do it in a way you don't normally do it in the weekday. Now we go on Ketzad Menafeh. How do you do manafeh? Now, earlier on, we explained that manafeh was once you've done the moilo melilos, you throw the grain from hand to hand so that the chaff falls away and you're left with the grain or the legumes. So how do you do that? And this you were allowed to do on Shabbos and Yom Tov. So how would you do that? So, Omar, Barav, manafeh, mikishre, it's voice of Ulamala. You can only do manafeh from your knuckles upwards. I only throwing between your fingers. You can't use your whole hands, your palms. Um, and Machku Allah Bamarava, they laughed at this in the Marava. He says, Kivin Damashni, I feel Bakula Yadanami. Once you're doing it in such a strange way anyway, you can use your whole hand. So so you definitely when you're throwing from hand to hand, that's not the normal way that you would do um Manafeh. The normal way you do it is actually pick up as much as you can in two hands and throw it up. So as soon as you're throwing from one hand to the other, that's a strange way of doing it. You don't have to do add to the strangeness and use only your fingers as opposed to using your palms as well. And um, and Rebi Ela Omarebi Eloza, there's even another way you can do it. Manafeh biyoda achas As long as you're only using one hand, you can hold it in that hand and shake it with all your strength. So again, that the 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 grain or the legumes would get stuck in your hand and the rest would get scattered. Um, I'm just going to put it on mute. Okay, now we're going to go on to the next mission. Now, interesting, the next three Mishnahs are discussing things that and how you would do them on Yom Tov. The first one is crushing or what we would call grinding. Can you grind your spices, your fresh spices on Yom Tov? The second one is um, boirer doing uh, selecting on Yom Tov. And then the third one would be delivering gifts. Okay, so Beishamai Oimrim Tavli Niduchin Shel Eitz. Well, yeah, let's just, sorry. Um, one of the 39 Malachas we know is Tchina, that's grinding or crushing. Um, now, that's usually Osir on Yom Tov, but we'll see that it's Mutar. In my mind, the easiest way to make the distinction again is the grinding that is, but you, as I said, this, this goes into the gray area we mentioned at the beginning of Shir. When is a melacha mutar or permitted on Yom Tov for food? But in general, the industrial grinding 
to make I to make flour large quantities that you would do long in advance. That would be osur, but when it's just like a little bit of grinding like you do in your kitchen because you need some spices for your soup or to put over your chicken or something like that, that would lean to the permitted side. So, um, so how do you grind? So, Beishama, Omrim, Tavli Niduchin Bamadul Shel Eitz. says, Beishama say you can crush spices in a wooden pestle, using a wooden pestle. I, not the usual stone pestle. I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, you get them a little a stone bowl with a stone crusher and you crush spices. So that would be the normal way. He says, no, you must use a wooden pestle. Not as effective, but so it's a shinui. But if you want to grind salt, you need to use a, either an earthen mortar or a wooden um, it seems like a wooden mixing spoon, a large wooden spoon. A much greater shinui. We're going to see what's the difference. Why by spices you need a little shinoi and by salt you need a big shinoi. But that's how Beis Shammai Paskin. Beis Hill, I mean Beis Hill, I'll say, Tabli de Duchin Kedarkon, Bamadok Shel Evan. Snow Beis Shammai say spices you can crush and grind in the normal way. With Amelech Bamadok Shel Eitz. But salt you need to do in an irregular way. Again, only a slight shinoi, but use a wooden pestle, not a stone pestle. Um, again, the Shinoi achieves two ones. It's not the usual way. It's not as effective. Um, and that's, that would be where it's now. So in the Gomorrah points out, Both opinions by Shama and agreed that when you want to grind salt, you need to do a Shinoi. Okay, there was a discussion how big a Shinoi, but both held you needed to do a Shinoi. Unlike on spices, by Shammai said you need a Shinoi and Basil said you don't need a Shinoi at all. But my timer, why does salt need a Shinoi? So Rav Huna, Rav Chizdechar Omar, um, it was a machlokes Ravud and Ravchiz. The one said because all dishes need salt, but not all dishes need spice. Rashi explains. In other words, you know on erev Yom Tov when you're getting ready for Yom Tov that you're definitely going to need. You're going to want to cook cook uh, chicken. You're going to want to uh, roast meat. You're going to want to make soup. You're going to need salt. So get the salt. You know you're going to use it. So get it ready on. Erev Yom Tov. And it's unnecessary to leave it for Yom Tov. Therefore, if you did leave it for Yom Tov, you have to do it in an irregular way. Mechad Omar in one, and the other opinion says, No, all spices lose flavor. If you grind your pepper on Erev Yom Tov, it's not going to be as strong in flavor as if you grind your pepper on Yom Tov. But salt does not lose its flavor. No matter how long in advance you crush your salt into tiny little granules, it keeps its flavor. So, so the spices, again, remember this is one of the principles, one of the ways of distinguishing between what's mutar and what's not for pre- preparation of food, is if it's as good quality, whether you did it on Erev Yom Tov or on Yom Tov, you'd have to do it on Erev Yom Tov. So spices you can't do on Erev Yom Tov because they're better quality. They're more flavorsome if you grind them on Yom Tov, freshly ground. And what about... and um, um, But salt... Makes no difference. You should have done it the day before because, again, it wouldn't lose any of its flavor. It would have no uh, no impact on your meal, on the quality of your food. And just something to think about. What about like grinding coffee beans, freshly having grinding your coffee beans fresh for your morning cup of coffee on Yom Tov?
or maybe let's say after your davening for your brocha cup of coffee, um, would you be allowed to um, grind freshly grind beans? That would fall into this discussion. Um, except, I mean, here I don't know if you would say there's a difference between spices because you're doing such a little bit at once. Or coffee beans, which you're doing more at once. But okay, that's uh, that's something to think about. Now the Gemara asks, my Benay, what's the difference? At the end of the day, we see salt needs a shinoi either because you knew you were going to need it, every dish needs salt, whereas spices you didn't know you would need, or or do we say the difference is no, because salt doesn't lose its flavor and spices do. But at the end of the day, salt needs a shinoi on erev yomtev, and spa, uh, when you do it on salt needs a shinoi, and spices don't necessarily. The difference could be if you know what you plan on cooking. You've already written out your menu. You decided to make curry on Yom Tov. You're like, oh, I'm going to make curry tomorrow for lunch. So now, you know you're going to need the curry spice and the... I can't think of all the, the different spices you need for, for curry. So you should have ground them on Erev Yom Tov according to that opinion. But according to the opinion that it depends on will it lose its flavor? No, you can, ground, you can still ground them on Yom Tov. Again, it's this, it's, in the one hand, it's similar to salt in that you know you're going to need it. But on the other hand, it still loses its flavor. So that would be a difference between the two opinions. Inami Vimurika. Another difference could be saffron. Saffron is a spice, but it doesn't lose its flavor. So according to the one who says that the reason you must grind salt, you have to do a shinu with salt, is because it doesn't lose its flavor. That would be the same thing with saffron. However, according to the opinion that it's because you know you're going to use it, well, salt you know you're going to use, you don't necessarily plan on using saffron. Oh, comes out, you decide to make a saffron chicken. Okay, so then you're going to need it, but that would be the difference. Okay, Omar Rav Yehuda, Omar Shmuel, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, Everything can be ground in its usual manner, even salt. What? But didn't we just say that both opinions in the Mishnah, Beishamai and Beishilal, hold you have to, salt has to be done with the Shinoi. So he says, no, actually, he was following the following, he was going in accordance with the following opinion. The Machloikes, sorry, I'm just going to go back a lot. So Rebbe Meir says, There's no Machloikes that you can grind things in a normal way. And salt with them. So if you need salt ground up, mix it with the spices that you need to ground anyway, and leave the salt with them. The only machloikas is, can you ground salt by itself? I put two restrictions on grinding salt. One is it has to be done with a, um, a earthenware jar as the mortar or a wooden spoon and the second is you can only use the little bit of salt that you would need for roasting meat but not the lot of salt that you would need to cook meat interesting the salting thing this is remember we know that um you're not allowed to eat meat before you've you're not allowed to eat blood so the way to get the blood out is to salt it when you go to roast meat you actually don't have to do a lot of salting because the roasting itself the and the fire draws out the blood but when you're going to cook it in a pot, that's when you need to do a lot of salting. The salting that we're more familiar with um, at the butcheries where they cover it from top to toe in salt and have a whole procedure. That's when you want to cook it. 
So Beishamah have those two requirements. One is you've got to do a shinui in the kli you use. You either have to use a wooden mixing spoon as your pestle or an earthenware bowl as your mortar. Or this, um, or and you're only allowed to do a very little bit and not a lot. No, all things. He says, What do you mean in all things? No, for any amount. I basil say you can do it. To Arashi points out, basil are saying that when you want to work out, yeah. So, so let me just say it outside. So basil say you can do salt in the normal way, and that's what Rav Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel that you can crush everything in its normal way, even salt. That is not in line with either the Beishama or Beishilal of our Mishnah, it's in line with how Rebbe Meir learns Beishama or Beishilal. That salt, Beishilal holds, you can do all spices and salt in the normal way. I'm interested in actually points out, how do we see from here that you can do salt in the normal way? Um, so he says, very interesting, when, that, when you see this pattern, just a, I guess a, a structure in the Talmud, a structure in the Gemara, when you see this pattern of they don't argue in case X, but they argue in the following, they don't argue in this, in this scenario, but they argue in that scenario, that scenario is always the same as the first scenario. So when we say they don't argue regarding grinding spices and salt in the normal way, rather they argue regarding grinding salt by itself, it must mean salt by itself in the normal way. So according to, to so that's how Rashi sees that again by the fact that they're arguing and grinding salt by the fact that the that the Tana taught it by saying they don't argue regarding salt and spices in the normal way, then when they do argue regarding salt, it must also be in the normal way. So it comes out according to this third opinion, this opinion, you can grind salt, spices, etc. in the normal way. Um, and even a large quantity, the amount that you would need to salt meat to put it in to cook it. It seems like this. Granted, we've just said you can grind spices and salt in the normal way. He says, Ki when you are crushing, I think it's salt, turn the mortar on its side and crush it. I do it with a slight shinui. Rav Sheish has heard the sound of the, of the of the mortar being hit um, again on Yom Tov. Omar who that's obviously not from my house, because Rav Sheishas had told his family not to grind salt in the normal way. Maybe they tilted it. He says, He heard it was a pure sound. If you're grinding with the mortar on the sand, you're not going to hear the usual ding, ding, ding of the grind or whatever sound that exactly it makes. Um Maybe they were grinding spices and not salt. Spices you're allowed to grind in the normal way. No, Tavlin avuchei menavei kalayhu. Tavlin make a loud sound. So the sound, he could hear that it was salt and not spices. He could hear it was being done in the usual way and not with the mortar on the side. So he knew it must be his neighbors because he had told his family not to do it like that. So it comes out from this last point, how I've, how I've explained it, is that First, me'ikar hadin, you can grind spices and salt equally. Seems certain Amorayim insisted on a stringency that when grinding spices you can do in the normal way, salt you would have to do with a slight shinui. 
a slight change, I tilt the mortar. Instead of doing the mortar in the normal way, I'm assuming down like that, do it a little bit on the side so that you don't have the, so that it's a slight chinoid. But it seems very, um, now how do we paskin? Um, how do we paskin? We def, I don't, I don't actually remember. Tosos on the page seems to say we paskin like Rav, like Omar Rav Yudom Shmuel, that we can grind anything, and we might follow the stringencies that do it with this, for salt, you do it with a slight shinui. So now the obvious question to think about, and we'll, I guess we can, Bleeneder, I'll check for tomorrow's year. said I didn't get a chance last night, but hopefully I'll get for tomorrow. What about, you know, the, it's very uh, popular nowadays, you have for the table, or you have in the kitchen, those hand grinders that you grind the salt or the pepper into the, straight into your food and obviously with any other spice um so pepper would seem from what we've seen would definitely be okay and salts could maybe be a problem unless you pass it like um but even with the stringency you might run into trouble with fresh uh, i guess your freshly ground salt on uh, Yom Tov, but your peppers and other spices, it would seem there would be no problem to actually grind them on Yom Tov. Okay, let's go on to the next point. You're not allowed to make tisni, and you're not allowed to crush it with the crusher. A makhteshes is basically a larger size pestle and mortar. Remember, the pestle and mortar you're going to be using for spices is going to be quite small because you're not going to put a lot of spices in at once. But when you, if you're talking about what you're going to use to grind wheat or grain, it's going to be a much larger pestle and mortar. So that's the makhteshes, a larger pestle and mortar. What's tisni? Tisni is the sort of, I don't know, dish that they would make with splitting the wheat four times. I, think, I don't know if it means four times or into quarters, but splitting the wheat. So it's a very, it's a harder way of making a dish because you have to split it so small. So it seems you, you're not allowed to make tisni, which would imply there are other dishes that don't require the wheat to be as crushed. That would be mutar. But you're not allowed to use a makhteshes. So the Gomorrah points out, he says, Tarti, that seems to be two contradictory teachings. Telling me I can make tisni implies, telling me I can't make tisni implies that I can't make tisni, but there are these other sort of dishes that don't require as hard grounding. Oh, and Rashi seems to say the reason is because of tircha. Okay, remember to, uh, on Yom Tov, you're not allowed to exert yourself unnecessarily or go to too much exertion. So you're not allowed to make tisni. But other dishes that don't require the wheat, the grain to be as ground up, as crushed, should be fine. But then you tell me I'm not allowed to use a makhteshes at all, which would tell me I'm not allowed to make those dishes that I thought I would be allowed to make in the makhteshes. So the Gemara says, no, hachi komar, matam. It's giving the reason. It says, matam ain oisim tisni. Why are you not allowed to make tisni? The fish ain koichim b'makhteshes because you're not allowed to use a makhteshes on Yom Tov. Oh, leima ain koichim b'makhteshes. Okay, so then don't bring in tisni. Just say you're not allowed to use a makhteshes on Yom Tov. No, itani ain koichim b'makhteshes. Have I mean, honey, mili b'makhteshes kedoyle. No, if I would have told you you're not allowed to use a makhteshes kedoyle, you would have said that's only a large makhteshes. I guess that's say, uh, uh, industrial size makhteshes. Avabamakhteshes katana, small makhteshes, a shapir dami, you might think you're allowed to use it. Kamash manan, 
Therefore, we say that you are not allowed to use a machteshes eye, any machteshes at all. So again, why does it, so really it's all the explanation, you're not allowed to make anything in a machteshes, it just tells us, not only are you not allowed to make tisni, which would require hard work, you're not allowed to use a machteshes at all. So that's really, it's only teaching us one halacha, that you're not allowed to use whether a large machteshes or a small machteshes. Oh, but wait, there's a bracer that says you're not allowed to use a large machteshes, but you are allowed to use a small machteshes. So now, how we've just explained the one price, you're not allowed to use any size machteshes, contradicts the second price, which says that you can use a small machteshes. So, Amarabai says, yep, we have to reanalyze our bracer. The bracer the was specific that said you're not allowed to make tisni, he's speaking about, you're not allowed to use a large machteshes. Um, you're not allowed to use a large mortar. He says, but rather, um, and and it would, and then it would come out that it's specifically tisni that would be a problem, and it's two different halachas. The one halacha is you're not allowed to make tisni at all, whether you're using a large machteshes or a small machteshes, but other types of ground, grindings, okay, not to make tisni this very hard to make ground wheat. That would be a problem, but to make other types of groundings would be permitted in a small machteshes, but not a large one. That's how Abaya resolves it. Rava Omar Rava says no. Go back to our original understanding that you're not allowed to use any mach. The first price is teaching you're not allowed to use any machteshes at all, and it's really explaining it. The first one, you're not allowed to make tisni because you're not allowed to use any grand machteshes at all. It says, but. Then we have the question, the second bracer says you're allowed to use a small machteshe. He says, The difference is regarding Bavel and Eretz Yisrael. Rashi explains, in Eretz Yisrael they had slaves. So you're not allowed to use even a small machteshes because slaves would often jump the gun and go use, if they're allowed to use a small machteshes, they're going to not be careful and go use a large machteshes. So therefore, in Eretz Yisrael, you're not allowed, that's the first price, is Eretz Yisrael, you're not allowed to use any machteshes. In Babel, no one had slaves, they didn't have to worry about it. And therefore, they were allowed to use a small machteshes, but not a large machteshes. That's how Rav explains. Rav Papa ikle lebei marshmul, aisulei dais avalachal. Once Rav Papa went to marshmul, this was all, marshmul seemed to have been some, he, he wasn't part of the, like, the Reish Galusa, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't the actual, uh, what's it, Reish Galusa, a head, the translation of Reish Galusa is Exilat, the political head of the Babylonian Jewish community, but it seems he was some uh, dignitary, maybe family member or something like that. So he went to the house of Marshmul, Rav Poppe, this is all in Babel, Rav Poppe went to visit Marshmul, they brought him this porridge and he wouldn't eat it because porridge is made, you grant, you don't. Um, grounded, you grounded in a machteshes. Says, oh, v'dilma machteshes katana of the. Why didn't he eat it? Maybe they ground it with a small machteshes, not a large one. Says, no, the chazid have a He thought it was very fine. Remember, there's certain things that if you use a large machteshes, you're going to get the wheat much finer. So the porridge was much finer. It says, oh, v'dilma ma'etmol of the. Maybe they did it on erev yomtiv. No, the chazid have a sahari. He thought it was streaked. I somehow he could see by the color of the grain that it was freshly ground. Of the Ebois Aim alternatively, you can say shiny ma bay marshmul the ikapritsusadavde. Marshmul had lots of slaves, so his slaves would be careless. As we said in Eritrea, why are they not allowed to use any machteshes? 
because they have slaves, and slaves will use a large one rather than a small one. Um, so Marshmul, you have slaves, you have you run into that trouble. Okay, so that is the discussion regarding using a, a crush of machteshes um, and the different ways to resolve it. It seems, yeah. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah is discussing boirer, separating. Again, our boirer is one of the twenty, uh, one of the thirty-nine melachas that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. Um, but even on Shabbos, remember there are three. I don't know if you remember from when we learned Masechah Shabbos, but on Shabbos there are three criteria, and you're allowed to do boirer on Shabbos. The first criteria is that you take the food from the psoles, either food out of the dregs. So, um, what's it? A common example is nuts and raisins, and you don't like the raisins, you just want the nuts. So, you're not allowed to t- take the raisins and throw them out. You have to take the nuts, what you want. It would be the same thing if you have, uh, I don't know, you have uh, some, uh, I don't know, nuts, and a lot of the shells are still mixed in the packet. So, you can't take out the shells and leave the nuts. You have to take out the nuts. The oichel mitochaf soiles. That's the first. Um, criteria. The second one is biyad belobakli. You have to do it by hand. You can't use a utensil to help you. And the third one is the altar. It has to be done for immediate consumption. I, I can't uh, take the nuts out for eating them the following day. I'd have to take the nuts out for my meal I'm about to have now. So those those are the requirements for Shabbos. What are the restrictions or are there restrictions and how do you have to do it different? Are there any difference for Yom Tov? Again, Boirer, again, Boirer is one of these that are generally done on large scale. You generally do them in advance. Separate the wheat from the chaff, etc. Okay, not break the wheat out of the chaff, that's dash, but separate the wheat from the chaff, etc. That all falls into Boirer. So that would be Asur. But what happens in your kitchen, just small, that, is there a difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov? So how Boirer kidneys be Yom Tov, if you want to separate kidneys on Yom Tov, say you have to separate the food and eat it. It sounds to me, I couldn't work out definitely saying you have to take the food from the psoilet, like on Shabbos. And v'oichel sounds to me like you have to eat it Immediately, you can't um, wait. You can't separate it on Yom Tov night for Yom Tov day. You can do boirer in the usual manner by spreading a cloth in your lap. They would spread like a cloth and then lean it slightly and knock all the grain or the legumes to one side and then just leave the shaft on the other side so that you can do it in that way. Or bekanun or with a funnel of a tamchoy or with a plate. Again, those are fairly usual ways. You would not be allowed to use a board, a sieve, or a kivra. I forgot the difference between a naf and a kivra, but I think they both sieves. Um, now, why can't you use a tavla naf of a kira? So, rash... Um, Rashi implies, let me just confirm that I got it right. Yeah, I don't remember where I saw it, but it seems to be Xerodrabonim that it looks like you're doing it on a large scale. Again, when you, if you do, if you do, even if Boira is permitted, if you do Boira on Yomtev or Motzei Yomtev, it could be Isidoraisa. Or if you do it like you would do. Um, so, so that's why it looks like you're doing it on a large scale if you're using a tavla nafa or kivra. 
So that would be also. So those are those two machloket by Shammai and by Sidal. Rabban Gamliel Oiber af medir v'shoila. Rabban Gamliel says, no, you can even um, place it in water and let it float. Uh, you drop the legumes into a bucket of water and then the legumes sink to the bottom and the, the dregs rise to the top and you can just scrape them off the top and then you've separated your legumes. So Rabban Gamliel says you can even do that. Um, interesting question. Just remind me when we get to the end of this Gomorrah. But are you allowed, this sounds very much like washing fruit or vegetables. you putting it in water to get the dirt and the fruit to separate. So are you allowed to wash fruit and vegetables on Shabbos or Yom Tov? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But even your hands. If your hands get dirty, are you allowed to wash them on Shabbos? Isn't that boyer separating the dirt from your hands? I mean, just to, once we're in there, I'll throw in a complication. What about washing dishes? We know you're allowed to wash dishes on Shabbos and Yom Tov, but again, you're separating the plate, the fork, from the food. You're doing boirer, and it's not necessarily for then. Sometimes you'll do the dishes on Friday night, so you have clean cutlery or clean plates for Shabbos lunch. Is that not uh, boirer? Um, just while well, I'm bringing a chair, it's because Rabban Gamil Omer, Afmedir Voshoyle, sounds very similar, rinsing them and letting them float. Okay, but let's go into the Gemara. It says, Tanya Omar Rabban Gamliel, Rabban Gamliel says, Bamed Vorim Amurim, when is this? Kesha Oichel, the whole Machloikes of Beishamai say that you have to separate the food from the Psoiles. And Beishilil say, no, you do it in the normal manner. He says, that is when you're separating the, when there's more food than Psoiles. Aval Psoiles, Merubala Oichel, but if there's more Psoiles than food, Divre Hakol Noitel Esa Oichel, Everyone agrees that you have to take the food and leave the psoiles. Why is that? What's the difference? So again, you have... Um, again, when we're discussing oichel and psoiles in our Mishnah, we're discussing very clearly like you have a, a thing of wheat with a whole lot of straw and chaff and things like that mixed in. Or, le- or beans. And you have a whole lot of the stems and the leaves and the casings of the beans, so you have that all mixed together, and you want to get out the beans. So Beishamai said you must take the food, and Beishilo says you can do it in the normal way. Rabun Gamliel has just come and clarified this. He says, no, that's all where there's more food than psoiles. When there's more food than psoiles, that's where Beishamai say you take the food um, from the... Um, and Beisil will say you don't. But if it's the other way around, if there's much more straw and chaff than the beans, then you have to take the... Everyone agrees you have to take the food. Why is that? So the answer is because it's less effort. It's going to be much easier to just pick out the few... Oichel... Um, uh, just the few stems or stalks. You have a bowl of nuts and you don't want the raisins in it and there's a whole bowl of nuts and five raisins, it's easiest to just pick out the five raisins. That's what we're saying. The Gomorrah just clarifies, But wait, if there's more psoiles and oichel, who would allow you to touch it? It's mutza. If, mo- if you have a box and there are a few beans in it and most of the box is stalks and leaves and stems and casings of the beans, it's mutza because most of that stuff is mutza. So what do you mean you would be allowed to take out the food? So this is no. Now, obviously we're discussing where it's more effort, but less in sure. There's less psoiles, 
but to take out the psoilus would be much harder. Aye, so when it's more F, so what's the, what's the general rule regarding Yom Tov? You, you do the easy way. Again, Borer on Yom Tov is not as problematic. So it's not about separating the Oichel from the Psoilis or the Psoilis from the Oichel. It's about doing it in the easiest way. That's, uh, that's how this Gomorrah comes out. Then he says, Rabban Gamliel says, Rabban Gamliel says, you can soak it in water and let it float. He says, Rabban Gamliel, in the household of Rabban Gamliel, they used to do as follows. They'd bring a bucket full of lentils and pour water over it. And the food would be at the bottom and the psoilets would rise to the top. And then you can just skim off the top layer and you've separated your beans from your, your lentils from the psoilets. Says Avahotanya but there's a price which says it's the other way around that the food sinks and the that the soil sinks and the food floats. Says Lokashio Hoba Afro Hoba Gili. The difference is here it is with earth and here it is with straw. I I don't know how I don't know how you ch- it must be different foods also. But some foods, the food will rise and the dirt that's on them will sink to the bottom. And again, you've separated the food from the psoilus, so you can just take off the psoilus. On the other, the other way around is a sort of food where the food's heavier than, than the psoilus, than the, the food sinks and the psoilus stays on the top. Just back to that point of um, washing your hands or washing food on Yom Tov. So Ramoshe discusses it in a, in a tshuva and he mentions basically three factors. One is... If you need to wash the food to eat it, that's very similar to peeling. Again, remember, on Shab- let's just discuss it on Shabbos because Shabbos is stricter. I mean, this uh, it most likely applies to Yom Tov as well, but Shabbos is stricter. Let's say you want to eat an orange. Now, you have to separate the orange from the peel. Now, when you take off the peel, what are you doing? You're not taking the food from the peel. You're taking the peel from the food. That's also. But no, if it's the normal way of eating, it's permitted. So that's why you're allowed to peel an orange and eat it. Even though you're doing boy rare. So Rav Moshe says maybe it's the same thing here. You can't eat that vegetable that's covered in dirt. So it's, it's very similar to peeling. You can wash off the dirt and eat the vegetable. Again, if that's the case, you'd have to do it very shortly, be- shortly before your meal, in preparation of the meal, because that's the one condition, is the altar, that it's done immediately. Another possibility that Ramosha says, very interestingly, he says, most fruit and vegetable doesn't really need to be rinsed. It's not so dirty. The reason people rinse this is because they're extra sensitive. If, I don't know if it's many or most, but if most people would eat the fruit without caring whether it was washed or not, then the washing doesn't really achieve anything, even if you particular. And therefore that would be mutar, and that you could even do a lot in advance. And the third possibility, he says very interestingly, he says you have to say, and this is not prepared to paskin like, but he says clearly, he says you have to say there's a difference between rechitza and boiro washing and separating. And his example is dishes. He says, we know you're allowed to wash dishes on Friday night so that you have clean dishes for Shabbos lunch. But isn't that the same problem as washing dirt off food? Rechitza. So he says, soaking food, doing what Rabban Gamliel says is where you like have a bucket of water and you have food sit soaking inside and the Soilus and oichel are separating. That's a problem. But when it's under running water, 
He wants to say, maybe that just falls under washing, and it's like washing dishes, which should be allowed anyway. So those are the three aspects he discusses it from. Um, I would imagine your hands would be similar to washing kalim. I'm just, one thing I forgot to clarify now, it's bothering me a lot. Why is there a difference? Why are you allowed to wash your hands, wash dishes, but you're not allowed to to borer? What's the difference between rechitza and borer? Um, okay, let's go on to this final uh, second to this next Mishnah. This is regarding delivering gifts. Now, the main concern with delivering gifts is oh, well, let's see in the Mishnah. It says, Beishama say you're not allowed to send gifts on Yom Tov unless it's Manos. What's Manos? So think of uh, what's it? Mishloach Manos Ishlareu, but Purim you send gifts. What's the requirement there? A ready to eat gift. It has to be ready, and Rashi also highlights it has to be something that won't likely be left over. So it's already cut. So a fruit platter, cut up fruit platter. That or a salad, people aren't like to leave, likely to leave it over. And it seems because Basil in particular that the the effort you're going to send this gift is only or right on Yom Tov, to go to such tircha, to such effort, if it's going to be used on Yom Tov. But if you're going to send someone a box of chocolates, and they're going to keep that box of chocolates for a few weeks' time, then it's not okay. Or you're going to send someone some fruit, and they're not going to eat it on Yom Tov, then it's not okay. So if it's already sliced fruit, or already cut up meat, or something like that, that they're unlikely to keep for the next day, that's when Beishamai say it's fine. Beishil say, no, you can send them animals, birds, etc., whether they are laugh or whether they shechted. It's irrelevant. You can send people gifts on Yom Tov as long as it could be used on Yom Tov. Again, you're allowed to send people wine, oil, and flour, and legumes, but not grain. Again, on the surface, this would be because... Um, grain, grain has to be ground, etc., which you wouldn't, not, which you is in most cases is osur on Yom Tov. Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon says you can even send grain. Maybe that's because, as we see, there are ways to eat grain on Yom Tov. You can moil melilos and pick out the grains and eat them, even though it's very unlikely that that's you send someone a sack of uh, wheat. They're unlikely to use it for moil melilos. They're more likely to want to grind it to make bread, and that grinding you can't be. Maybe that's their machloikas. Tony Rebichil, Bilvachelo Yasenu Bashura. This that you're allowed to send gifts is as long as you don't do it with a shura, many people. Rashi explains what's the problem with doing it um, many people at once? Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, um, it says because if you send it with lots of people, it causes a scene, it makes a noise, and people are think you're carrying uh, wares, goods, to the marketplace. So that's why you're only allowed to send this gift without a shura. Tanya ain't shura pochos mishloja adam, and there's no shura less than three people. So basically you can't send gifts with three people. I want to send you a gift, I can't send three people carrying the fruit platters, or three people carrying the bags of groceries. Because that's what's called a shura. It makes a scene. It makes a noise. People think, oh, why is he carrying so many, so much? Must be that he's going to the marketplace to sell it. So that's why you can't send that many. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And boy, Ravashi, close Gavri, but close Amina, my. Ravashi asks, what's the halach if it's three, you want to send three different people, but they're each carrying three diff, um, different things. Either one person, I guess, is carrying meat, another person fruit, and another person something else. So there, there shouldn't, there, do we have this problem? Do we say, um, you go after Rashi explains, he says, my, what's the halacha? Me, Azlinan, Rashi is basically in line with where we are in the Gemara, a little bit above, but he says, my, me, Azlinan, Basar, call min umin, Vishari. Do we say you go after each type and say it's permitted? Since it's three different types of food, it doesn't look like you're going to the marketplace. Three different types of foods. Just as you are allowed to send one person in call min zeh with each min, each min alone, sorry. So so to here it's allowed. It's it's for all intents and purposes, just because they're walking next to each other, one carrying fruit and one carrying meat, and one carrying, I don't know, fish, doesn't seem it's independent they they look separate. Or maybe at the end of the day it's making a scene. You see three people walking down the road carrying uh, trays of fruit, fish and meat. It makes a scene and it looks like they might be going to marketplace. And the Gomorrah answers, Teiku. We leave it unresolved. It says, Rav Shimon Matir Betfur, Rabbi Shimon permitted you to send grain. Tanya Rabbi Shimon Matir Betfur, Kagoin Chitin Lasos Mehem Lujos, because you can make this sort of dish with them. So, if you send barley, he can use it to feed his animals. Adoshim, if you send lentils, Lasos Mehem Resisim. There are these dishes you could make on Yom Tov, even with this unprocessed food, and therefore you're allowed to send it on Yom Tov. Again, we see the main criteria, at least according to Basilel, firstly is that you have to be, it has to be able to be used on Yom Tov. Not that the person is definitely going to use it on Yom Tov, but that he could use on Yom Tov. And then the other problem was just don't make, don't make a scene. Don't get your whole, uh, a whole caravan of people laden with parcels and baskets and trays, because then it looks like you're going to the marketplace. Let's just do the next. You're allowed to send clothes as gifts on Yom Tov. Whether they're sewn up or whether they're not sewn up. And even if they have kilayim. But this is as long as they're necessary for the festival. Oh, sorry. This is because they are necessary for the festival. You're not allowed to send a nailed sandal or an unsewn shoe. We'll see... In the Gomorrah tomorrow, why not a sandal hamusmar? But again, because they, they can't be used on Yom Tov. And Rabbi Yehuda, Amen, Afla Mina Lovan, Mimna Yishet Sorichuman. You're also not allowed to send a white shoe, a leather before it's been dark, uh, the shoe before it's been blackened. You need a woman to do that, and people won't wear a white shoe on Yom Tov. They want it to be polished. So, Zia Klaal calls Shenelson Boy by Yom Tov. Anything that can be used on Yom Tov, Mashlichin or so, you can send it as a gift. Okay, so that's the general rule. If it can be used on Yom Tov. You can send it as a gift. It makes sense why you can send clothes that have a... You know, let's leave it here for today. We'll go into the story of why, how, how can you send him a garment with shatnas in, with kilaim in, what's he going to do with that on Yom Tov tomorrow.